Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good evening and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm thrilled to be with you today to offer homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in a life that is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes exciting. Each week I entice an unsuspecting, hugely fascinating person to join me for part of my show. I offer intangibles like social media exposure. I would hand round plates of cake or biscuits and pour cups of tea if I was face to face. I really am very sociable. My fearless guests join me anyway to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child rearing above their highest joy. My guest today is Renee Tugar, a homeschooling mum living in Canada with some wonderful things to say about marriage and nutrition. So you'll want to hang on a bit. On the family front, I'll be talking about a long walk, Covent Garden, raising baby birds, being clipped, finding the real you and the saga of our fridge freezer. I'm all set with my tea and granola bar, so what are we waiting for? The Saturday between colds, yes, I'm sure you can hear it. It's been going on now for five weeks. That was about two weeks ago, between colds. I went for a lovely long walk with my friend from upstairs, the hairdresser. We headed to Kensington, which is now a wealthy part of town, where it used to be a warren of cheap, seedy bedsits and riots in Notting Hill, a few streets over. Not somewhere you'd want your child living, or you'd want to live yourself either. Now there are beautiful, converted, muse, <coughs> astonishing villas, tastefully divided into flats, and pavements hopping with yummy mummies. Have you heard of yummy mummies? They're young, attractive, wealthy mothers who spring back to their pre-pregnancy figures within hours and lead carefree and affluent lifestyles. A yummy mum carries the latest must-have bag, has perfectly groomed fingernails and hair. Even with several children, she's still a girl about town, usually bankrolled by her husband who works for all hours in the city to provide her the privileged lifestyle. Sounds just like me. Not. Anyway, my friend and I left the mummies to their cappuccinos and gourmet lunches and explored streets, gardens and restaurants and even gained entrance to the seventh floor of 99 Kensington High Street, where there is a glorious roof garden boasting a waterfall and flamingos. It was fabulous to walk around. <coughs> we walked down a road adjacent to the Palace Gardens. That's the Kensington Palace Gardens, made famous by Lady Diana. There were embassies as well as private residences along this street, and no photos were allowed. I did sneak a few to show the contrast between a mansion and a tasteless block of flats opposite. Who does the town planning? And the sun stayed out for the most part, and we had a lovely, strolly day. I've promised a return trip with my handsome cowboy so that he can see for himself once we're both feeling better. 
And what has young Dorts been up to during all this, apart from passing on both her colds and coughs to us? She found herself a job as a star barista in Covent Garden, her go-to job, as she calls it. It's the smallest store in London, which is closing down in August because it's not financially viable, according to the corporate office. But there are three more in walking distance, all of which know her. So getting another job won't be a problem. She's also a stone's throw away from Pineapple, where dance classes go on all day, every day. So she's taken several ballet and jazz classes and is getting to know some people. She's auditioned for a lot of cruises and met a lot of people doing the same thing. When she's cut at the auditions, right right at the first cut, you know, they've hardly even looked at them 10 minutes and they cut them. She's really disappointed, especially as she stays to see who were kept and they were no better than her. In fact, her technique is fantastic. It's a tough business not knowing what the casting directors are looking for. You know, I guess there's a particular look for Disney or for, um, I don't know, Royal Caribbean or Carnival Cruises. But, you know, you don't know. Anyway, it's all experience and the next step's going to be finding an agent. So keep your fingers crossed for her. The newlyweds in Texas have bought a pair of gold and blue macaws. They're being bottle, well, syringe-fed at the moment. I thought it would be worms and bugs like mum brings to the nest, but it's a high-protein formula that they scarf in less than a minute, heads back, wings flapping. Have you ever seen a baby parrot? They're pretty ugly. But now that they're five weeks old and weighing in at 800 grams, they are looking better. The colours are coming out, or is it in, on their heads, and some of their wing feathers are making an appearance. Well worth a Google. My son and his wife have already started training them. Well, reinforcing the behaviour they want to encourage. I suppose the same goes to all for all babies, doesn't it? Don't let a two-month-old do what you wouldn't let a two-year-old do. The plan is to use them as part of a showreel they're putting together with trained birds my daughter-in-law has worked with before. To show Kickstarter, you know, that financial group that provides money for start-up businesses, what it is they want to do. And what is it that they want to do? provide exotic bird displays at large holiday resorts from Vegas to the Caribbean. They're certainly not dragging their feet, and I wish them both the best of luck. I wish I could be there to help. As if having two baby birds to feed isn't enough, they've also taken on a baby raccoon that had fallen out of her nest. She had a small wound in her side from the unkind land to earth, and my son was watching it and draining it. He said it hurt her. They hold no punches when they're uncomfortable, those little raccoonies. Then the other day he saw the hole moving. I was intrigued by what he meant, some extraterrestrial movement going on inside their raccoon. So I listened closely. On closer inspection, he saw a creature of sorts poking its head up from the wound and then ducking back in. He and his horrified wife looked it up online and found it to be a bot fly. It had to be suffocated so that they could remove it. Vaseline was suggested, but it didn't work. So my son, who's nothing if not innovative, used superglue and pow, it was dead in moments. And I asked how he knew. Well, it was no longer surfacing for air, Mum. Good enough, I thought. He extracted it while his wife held the howling, screeching baby down. It was slightly bigger than a dime. He sent me a photo of the gross thing. Now they're keeping the wound clean with peroxide and salt water, and I'm sure the raccoon is much more comfortable. The things we homeschoolers get into. Well, and more new things coming up. Are you ready? 
we went to our usual church service down the road on Sunday, and it was humming with people, especially in the front rows, which is highly unusual in an Anglican church. One of the leaders in the church was having his grandson baptized, and the rows were full of family and friends. Oh, aha! Uh -huh. A baptism as well as full high mass? We thought this should be long. Our priest gave a sermon about enfolding people into community to keep them safe, as in the ancient days when walls began to be built to keep livestock in and thieves out. And he used a Middle English word, clippen, meaning to clasp or embrace. Then he asked us all to get out of our comfort spots, the familiar pews we gravitated to each week, and form a large circle around the church holding hands. We're English, for goodness sake. We don't take to holding hands with strangers very well. On my way to find space in the very large circle that was rapidly forming, I saw many confused faces and heard mutters of, This is going to be fun. Then the organ started up, and we were singing a hymn about being bound together, holding hands with strangers on either side of us, in our faith, with cords that cannot be broken, binding us together with love, and on and on and on. At the end, our priest invited us to return to our seats, so we let go of hands very, very enthusiastically, which we did in a rush of relief, and announced to one and all that we'd just been clipped. The whole service was a wonderful experience, really, a bit of the charismatics thrown in with the traditional liturgy. And it didn't last any longer than usual. We were home for breakfast as usual, before the clock struck eleven. Our estate agents, you know, those august people that seem to know more about your property than you do, they suggested that we paint the wallpaper in the flat to make it less old-fashioned. Funny. I'm rather fond of the wallpaper, so to start with, we've bought a couple of duvet covers for the beds to spruce things up a bit. Except we don't have a duvet. We took ours back with us to America last year, so we had to hunt around for a lightweight one for the summer. I must be joking, right? But we don't need another 13.5 tog in America. So we found a goose feather duvet, about 10 tog, 3.5 tog lighter, online. It was delivered last week. We unpacked it, and it smelled like wet dog. It was so bad. My southern knight called the company, and the girl suggested we air it out for 24 hours, as if all their duvets smelled like wet dog. Well, here in the flats, it wouldn't be taken too kindly if we strung a super king-sized duvet across our patio, so we had to make do with hanging it up in the garage. There it stayed for the weekend. Each time we tried to bring it in the house... The air began to reek, and we knew we wouldn't be able to have anyone looking around. So after calling the company on Monday, we were told it had been their last duvet, so they'd refund us the money and come and get it. Bad news. Really, it smelled as if it had got wet in the warehouse and was mouldy on the inside, like some of my parents' duvets from Seaside Broadstairs that I'd had to toss in the skip. There was no way we could share airspace, no matter how much we liked the duvet. Our next search hasn't yielded anything real, but Blue Eyes did buy a duvet that was only 4.5 tog summer weight, which will do in Texas. But, oh, I don't know, I still need my electric blanket here. It has the feel of goose down, but isn't goose down. And it arrived this morning and seems perfect, except that it doesn't fluff up like the feathers do. So I'll let you know how it sleeps next week. And before I go on my break... I want to tell you about my guest this week. 
She lives in a house on the side of a mountain in the Gaspé Peninsula of Quebec in Canada. Renée Tougar is a lifelong homeschooler of three children, ages 14, 12, and 10. Her husband's a computer technology expert, and together they're a family of writers, designers, artists, engineers, homemakers, naturalists, sewists, adventurers, readers, soap makers, programmers, idealists, photographers, problem solvers, outdoor enthusiasts, and followers in the way of Christ. Sounds like my kind of people, don't you think? As a location-independent family, they live, work, and play together all day, every day, just like we did. Renee describes herself as a creative spirit with a practical perspective and down-to-earth approach. She excels at getting things done and managing the details, but doesn't forget to smell the daisies by appreciating and capturing the beauty around her. Renee brings her love for intentional family living, enthusiasm for the natural world, and a passion for lifelong learning to everything she does. Today, she's bringing all that and a cup of tea to my show after this break. So don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm back from my break, and as I said before I went away, I'm going to be talking to Renee Tugar, who lives in Canada. Welcome, Renee, to my show this afternoon. Thank you. Nice to be here, Vivian. Well, good. And I'm glad you, you pronounced my name the French way. Oh, is that not how you pronounce your name? Oh, that's how I would love everybody to pronounce my name. But I live in Texas. So, Renee, tell me, you live in Canada. Tell us whereabouts you live and how many children you homeschool. Okay. So, yes, I live in Canada and I actually live in uh, Quebec. So I live in Francophone, Canada. Um, I don't know if that's why I pronounced your name correctly because I'm actually not, uh, I don't have a Francophone background and I, I'm not bilingual yet. I would like to be, but um, I'm still learning my French. But yes, we live in Quebec and we live in a rural uh, location in Quebec and we live out in the woods on the side of a mountain. And um, so, oh, three kids. Yes. You asked about how, how many kids I'm homeschooling. So we have three kids. They are 14, 12, and 10, and we've homeschooled them 
ever since, you know, the beginning, they've always been at home with me. And now they're at home with both Damien, that's my husband, and myself, and we're all at home together. All right. So you say, it sounds as though you spread your children out about the same way as I did, because mine are two years apart, too. So it's really good. I just have to remember the age of one of them, and I've got the age of all of them. So... <laughs> Yes, that usually works for me too, except there's like this period of time where, where they look like they're one year apart because, you know, their birthdays don't, don't all kind of, you know, match up perfectly because we didn't really plan it out all that well, Vivian. It just happened. <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happened really with us. Um, so you said you've homeschooled them all the time. So did you have, any homeschooling influences when you were growing up or were you around a lot of homeschooling when you were, you know, sort of a young adult? I, I didn't have any homeschooling influence growing up. I'd, I'd never heard of it as a child and I had very positive public school experiences. It was, I never even knew about it. Um, it was actually when I met my husband-to-be. He was just my boyfriend at the time. And he introduced me to homeschooling. He knew a family who homeschooled. So this was um, 19 years ago. So he knew a family that homeschooled, and he was really impressed with their family life. And he said, this was while we were talking about marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, you know, if when we have kids... I would like to homeschool them. Mm-hmm. So that was my that was my introduction to it, and then I kind of ran with it from there. Well, good for you. And it's turned out to be all or more than you expected, I'm sure. More in so many good ways. I think it's just, it's been a fabulous journey. I, I haven't had, I don't really have a lot of negatives to say about it. I just, I love, I love so much of it. I love being with them. I love sharing this time with them. I love watching them grow and being a part of that, like in the everyday moments. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned that your husband, Damien, was the um, person who knew about homeschooling. And so this is sort of the beginning when you first met of your relationship together and your partnership together. And and you say that marriage is saying, I'll be your partner. I'll stand next to you over and over again. You don't just say it once when you get married. And your husband um, was an engineer and immediately you thought, oh, good, you know, I can stay at home with the children. I'm going to have a stable, secure, you know, sort of life and a breadwinner for a husband and I can be a mum. Things changed, though. Your husband, you discovered, was a little bit more of an adventurer than you thought he was. And lots of things have come up where you've consciously had to say, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll come with you. I'll be your partner. I'm here by your side and I will stay with you. Can you tell us a couple of instances when, when this manifested itself in your marriage? Uh, yeah, Absolutely. But before I do that, just so that people don't have the wrong impression about my husband, I really, I really um, esteem and respect Damien. I don't want anybody to have the wrong idea. Um, he he turned out to be more adventurous than I thought he was. However, he has been the steady, stable, uh, supportive, taking care of me husband that I was looking for. <laughs> it just played out differently than I thought it would. So just, I just want to preface with that. Yeah, okay. So 
the um saying saying you know i'll be your partner over and over again um you know when you get married and i've had people ask me even so i've been married for uh it'll be 17 years this summer so i mean not a long time compared to a lot of people but you know it's we've we've weathered a lot so far you know and i've and I, I'm 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 pleased with where we're at now. But um, I've had people ask me, you know, if if you could, you know, tell somebody some piece of advice, you know, about when they were getting married, you know, what would you say? Or they'll, they'll ask me specifically for them. What what would you tell me? And it's kind of, I mean, I, I have a hard time thinking about well, one one piece of wisdom or advice to give somebody. But in one instance, I I, I had this thought that. Your partner and you, your husband and you, your wife and you, or you know, um, you're going to change, and you can't anticipate the ways that you're going to change and grow. And so, kind of like, just to be open to that and know that's going to happen. And that's where the whole "I'll be your partner" over and over again comes, because you know, you meet. I met my husband as a, a very young woman. We were both young, and. You know, at the time, I would say, yes, I'll be your partner based on what I knew about him. And then as we grow older together and change, I, I say that over and over when new things come up. So I guess, for example, one of the things, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, that my husband turned out to be more adventurous than I thought was that, um, you know, he has a, my husband has a real love for the outdoors. And I have grown this in my own life also through our relationship. And that was one thing I had to say yes, I'll be your partner in this. Mm -hmm. um, he really, he doesn't just want to go, you know, hiking by himself or, you know, with the kids and leave me at home. He wants to be with me mm -hmm. and he wants to share that with me. And I had, I went through a difficult period of time a couple of years ago where it was a, okay, I need to say yes again. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to be your partner. And maybe this isn't exactly what I had envisioned or or even how I would necessarily want to spend my time right now. But I'm going to say yes to this. And then the cool thing with that, Vivian, was that in in doing that, um, it, it became a part of who I am also. And now I can't imagine not sharing that with him. And I feel like I have gained so much from saying, from being willing to say, yes, I'm going to be your partner. And I'm, And that's just one thing that comes to mind for me. And... You did move several times, um, I believe, and I think that's always – my husband and I didn't move. You know, we are very adventurous people, and my husband has traveled the world. And when we settled down and got married and had children, I wasn't prepared to stay in the same house that we bought for as long as we did. We were going to be there for a year. And 28 years later, just a couple of months ago, we finally got around to selling. Well, we finally decided we were going to sell our house. So we, we were very stable. And I always think, what's it like to move? What would it be like to move your children? So your first move and your second move, how old were your children when you did that? Well, uh, we're from Western Canada originally, and when our daughter, our oldest daughter, was a year, we moved to New Jersey in the United States for um, a career opportunity for Damien. Mm -hmm. um, and that was another area I said, you know, yes, I'll be your partner. Mm -hmm. And and But I wanted to do it. It was an adventure. And we always thought we would move back to Western Canada. And that hasn't 
<laughs> proven true yet. So, um, so we were in New Jersey, and then and then a couple years later, we moved to Maine, and we actually stayed in Maine for for a while for nine years. So that was kind of a long stretch in several different houses, though. And then we um, we made a move back to Canada two summers ago, and that was the big the big kind of life-changing move for us because we had to uproot our whole life and start over again. Mm -hmm. So as far as moving with children, we moved initially when our children were young. This most recent move, they were um, 12, 10, and 8. So that was the time, you know, that you're thinking about how it's going to affect them. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to say to that, um, I mean, we have a really strong family culture and and we make decisions based on what's best for the whole family. And this was a move that was going to allow us as a family to do things that we weren't able to do where we were living. And so it was just really the it was a really good decision to make for our family. And honestly, our kids, they haven't had any negative repercussions from that. And it could also be because they're homeschooled and our life really revolves around our home and our family happenings versus peers um and you know and our daughter is now our oldest daughter is just becoming a teenager is in the teenagers now so we kind of moved before there was maybe some of those ties that had started to form i don't know if that <laughs> kind of in if that explains it at all but yes um so when you moved to new jersey that's a, that was a different was it urban it was more urban than you were used to Yes. 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 <laughs> I would. I would yes. imagine. You know, sort of uh, being a, a sort of a, a city girl. Sometimes myself, I far prefer the country. I would far sooner live in the country, and then, of course, lived in Dallas, and that's all heavy city. So your your country countrysidey people, and it sounds as though you also like the cold weather because Maine's pretty cold too, and where you are in Canada must be pretty cold. How do you deal with that? So. Well, actually, you know, we didn't start off as countrysidey people. We, we we were fairly urban. We liked nice. I I really love nice cities. I love urban mm -hmm. environments and really, you know, nice urban environments. Um, but when we had moved to New Jersey, we actually kind of, uh, and sorry, when we moved to Maine and we started getting outdoors more with our kids, we realized, oh, we really like the outdoors and we would like to live closer to and more, you know. More in the outdoors, um, and now I forgot the other. Well, I'm talking about cold because <laughs> all the areas you've talked about. I mean, I'm from Texas. <laughs> I ran away from England, you know, years ago because it was so cold and wet and dreary. And you're, it's cold where where you go. Well, yes, except that we were born in a cold climate. We were born. We're both from Canada. So we're, we come from northern stock, and, you know, we ended up in Maine simply because, um, I mean, it's a really long story that I'm not going to go into at all, but, you know, we, ha we happen to end up in Maine, which this is the amazing thing, Vivian, Maine is warmer than we are used to. Oh. I, when, when I was living in Maine, I was like, wow, what a long growing season, what temperate winters. So, um, <laughs> so now, yeah. Now where we live, it is cold in the winter, and that's just part of living in Canada, and we make the most of it by skiing and just really doing fun winter outdoor stuff to make the most of it. And you have a warm house by the looks of it. Yeah. You know, most houses in Canada 
are are pretty toasty in terms of I mean it's a northern climate. I, 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 the thing I can't understand is using air conditioning. I mean that that's one of those things that I cannot comprehend that somebody you know would use air conditioning. Although in certain parts of Canada they do do that down by the Great Lakes and it does get very hot in the summer there. But yeah, yeah. well we couldn't live without air conditioning in our 110 degree Texas humid heat. So uh, it does get it does get pretty hot and we really do need it. But um, Renee, we need to go on a very short break now. Um, I'll be back. I'm talking to Renee Tugar and uh, we're talking about her life as a homeschooler. I'll be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better. To make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Tugginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Hey, you said that Maine... Um turned out to be warmer than um, a climate that you were used to and that your gro- the growing season was longer. Now, I wouldn't at all think of that. I would just think, well, you know, my, my, my summer might be longer and I'm in England now and my days are longer, so I stay up much longer. It gets light about 3.45 in the morning, does not get dark until about 10 at night. Just love it during the summer here. And you, you talked about the growing season. So while you remain, tell us a little bit about how you were introduced to gardening. So, oh, that's a good question, how I was introduced. It probably was through friends. Um, but also I have a, you know, my family history, my parents had a garden, my grandmothers uh, gardened, and my grandfathers were involved in that also. But, you know, gardening was a part of, my growing up experience. And then when I was in Maine, that was the first time I actually owned a house where I could actually do something, build a garden, spend years in a backyard, kind of making it what I wanted to be. So that's kind of where I started gardening. And I'm a little bit disappointed that I'm not gardening right now with our slightly nomadic um, lifestyle right now. I'm, I'm not investing in a garden, but I do hope to return to that someday. Right, so you said you have a slightly nomadic lifestyle. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean that we are not fixed uh, to one place anymore. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, we have location-independent work, which means we, we can work from wherever we are because we, 
we work through the internet. So we can work from wherever we are, and we want to use that to our advantage to travel and go places with our kids. Mm-hmm. And so for now, um, we we are basing ourselves on the Gaspé Peninsula of Quebec. We like this area. We chose this area specifically for its mountains and its its distance to my parents who live in Nova Scotia. It, it's just we chose this because we liked the area, mm-hmm. um, but but we're not we haven't bought a place here. We're not committed to one location here. So you know we're renting, and then next year we're going on a big, long six month adventure, and we won't be you know we'll be living on a trail. So that's what I mean by slightly nomadic. Mm-hmm. We're you know we we kind of we want some freedom in our lives to go places and do things. So we're not really invested in a in a particular location or a house right now. All right, so that's that's great, and my husband and I had the same kind of situation, and we just stayed. I mean, it was so silly, because we were homeschooling, and we could do what we wanted to do, but for some reason, I suppose that was where I was supposed to be, and that was what I had to do, was just give my children this stability, and that's what I did, but now I'm no longer anybody's mentor. So I I feel, oh, good, you know, now I can kind of spread my wings a bit and do my moving around. But I want to talk about eating because you talked about gardening. And that doesn't just mean beautiful roses and beautiful flowers. I'm sure it has to mean fresh vegetables. My grandfather had a vegetable garden. We always had fresh vegetables when I went to my grandmother. So tell us about eating, how important you think nutrition is for your family, how seriously you take your food yeah you know we're kind of serious about (laughs) serious that sounds so serious but we 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 do we do really think about our diet it's not just like a happenstance well this is what's at the grocery store so this is what you know we're going to eat um we we are uh plant-based eaters which just means that we try to build our diet with mostly plants and this is kind of like a you know, another word for this would be vegan. However, we are not 100%. We don't, you know, we don't avoid animal products all the time. But for the most part, we build our diet around whole plant foods. And uh, we've been doing that now for about a decade. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about that. Because, you know, try and convince me. Now, I'm English and we love our fish and chips. We love our cream teas. Um, I enjoy eating, you know, fish and, and um, chicken. And you did say that you, you will include um, animal products in some of what you eat. But convince me that I would feel better and do better if I cut out a lot of that. <laughs> That's funny because I don't, I don't try to convince anybody anymore. You know, when we first changed our diet and we started to see a lot of noticeable difference in our bodies, that's why we changed our diet. And I'll get there in a minute. But when when we first did this, I was, you know, I, I was really gung-ho about spreading the vegan gospel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of have moved away from that because it is a real touchy thing for people. And, you know, I don't want to tell somebody else how to eat. And But I, I can totally tell you why we eat the way we do. And, and you can kind of take it as a convincing spiel if you want or, or, or not. But basically, um, my husband, Damien, had health issues. Um, 
uh, in the early years of our marriage and in the early years of our family life. And we were looking for solutions to that that were not um, medication-based. Um, specifically, it was just eczema and allergies. And when he started reading, and he's he's a real, Damien is a real researcher and a real um he just he he does a lot of research about things. So once he started researching how he could heal his body and not rely on what the doctors were recommending for this was which was basically just going to be a lifetime of medication which he did not want to accept at like, you know, just in his 20s. So um so that's when he's that's when he started looking to see what else there was and that's when we came across this idea of building a, a diet based on plant foods and it was very much a science evidence based um, this is what the science shows this is what studies show and and even saying that I mean you can get studies to show anything you want so I'm not saying that's you know that's not going to convince everybody but for us it was enough to get us started to at least try it and then once we tried it and we saw benefits for ourselves. Then we had our own experience as, you know, further backup of, of like, okay, well, evidence shows this in terms of po- whole populations of people eat this way and have less disease and less sickness and less, you know, physical dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that. And then you have, okay, now I have good things ex- going on in my body that I'm experiencing. And I feel like the two together kind of solidified it for us that it was like yeah this is the way we want to go for our what we're going to feed our bodies and feed our children so i know that there are lots and lots of books out there about these kinds of diets or let's say modified eating or better eating or different eating um tell us what what kinds of things can you eat can you eat rice and noodles and potatoes Oh, absolutely. I mean, our, our guidelines are are pretty much, we try to eat as much whole plant foods as possible. So, you know, things like pasta and and like noodles, you're, you're talking about those kind of things. We, we don't want to eat those every day because those are already processed and they're not the whole plant food. Um, we're just, you know, we're looking, we want to eat whole plant foods and then we build from there. So you start the base with a lot of vegetables and fruit and then you you know you're you eat beans and seeds and nuts and grains and and you kind of go from there and at the very top of like let's say if this is a food pyramid at the very top of it would be the animal products and refined foods that we try not to eat too much of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read something about processed meat. You know, you hear this the word processed bandied around and I always thought processed meat was Oh, I don't know, something like sausages or pepperoni. And I looked up the list and I was completely horrified that just about anything that you buy in a grocery store on a deli counter, in a, you know, in a deli, um, especially if it's beef, is going to be processed. Whereas chicken or fish won't contain the same um, chemicals or whatever it is that they put in this stuff to keep it having a shelf life forever and a day. Um, and I I thought, I am not going to do that to my body anymore. Yes, it tastes good, but I'm really just going to steer away from all of that kind of food unless I've actually made it myself, you know, sort of. And so trying to find, for example, a joint of ham that hasn't been 
processed and doesn't have this particular thing. I can't remember what it was, but I wrote it down so that I could check all of my meat that I was buying to make sure it didn't have this thing in it, this <laughs> whatever it was that was making it taste better, I suppose. And I could not find, I couldn't find one. So maybe the smoking process of, of the ham is, is what is bad for you. I have no idea. But it wasn't easy, I tell you. I don't know, Vivian, but I have to say, you know, bacon... I really still like bacon. I know. Do, do so you do eat I. bacon? Oh, and in England, bacon is to die for. I mean, it is the best. You can't buy it like that in America. In fact, in America, it's called Canadian bacon. It's got that. It's much meatier. You know, in America, they just Can have that you... streaky bacon, you know? Yeah. Can you find the unprocessed? Have you been able to find unprocessed, quote-unquote, healthy bacon? I don't know. I haven't looked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I literally just buy it fresh from our from our grocery deli counter. So I suppose I could ask. If it's smoked, it's probably been tampered with. Well, not necessarily, I suppose. <laughs> Do you think? Well, I, I don't know. But I don't, you know, I don't want to introduce, you know, if you enjoy your bacon, I don't want to make you, you know, not enjoy your bacon. I enjoy my <laughs> bacon, but I don't, I don't have it every day. I mean, this is kind of like a treat food that I have. And I'm also reading about, you know, these green shakes. Green, I'm, I'm reading these English magazines. Now, we've got green shakes in America forever. Here, they're only just coming in. And people are going, oh, you know, they've got all these recipes for the kale and the, you know, the ginger and lemon. And it just sounds as though, oh, my gosh, if you don't put anything else in with this, it's going to be impossible. People must be lying through their teeth when they say, yum, <laughs> you know, I go, oh, no. So what do you, I mean, you eat kale and uh, I don't know, I'm presuming. What What do you eat green-wise and do you do you blend it or do you just eat it? You know, it really depends on the season. And this is one of the things I've, one of the things that has been hard about moving to where we are is seriously, it's hard to find kale. I used to be able to find kale year round when I lived in Maine, but here kale is just a seasonal thing and I miss kale. But anyways, so, so, uh, you know, we mostly eat just our greens in, um, in salads and stir fries and cooked in soups and stews and things. And in fact, I even wrote a little ebook all about eating meal-sized salads because we do that. That's like a big part of our diet is eating a huge salad every day. Mm -hmm. And so we get a lot of fresh greens in that. And this whole green smoothie thing, it's funny. Do they call them green shakes in in England? Um, yes, I think so. Okay, so in North America, this side of the pond, they're like called green smoothies. So, um, so as that really depends on the season. You know, sometimes, especially in spring, when I feel my my body kind of is wanting, seems to want more greens. So sometimes I'll put greens in in a blender with some, usually some fruit or things like that. But my kids have not been really keen on drinking their greens, so. I I just, you know, they eat so much vegetables as it is that I'm like, you know, if they don't want to drink their greens, and when you say it like that, it sounds kind of creepy. So if they don't want to drink their greens and they'd rather just eat them, chew and swallow, you know, in the usual way, I'm okay with that. Well, funnily enough, at the end of this article, somebody had written, um, an expert, I don't know who it was, had said, we have survived for thousands of years without a blender 
just eat it, you know. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's like taking vitamins. Americans are crazy about vitamins. My husband says, you should take your vitamins. And I said, I'd rather eat well, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Renee, we're at the end of um, our other little um, section. So we're going to go on a short break. And if you can, can you come back for another five minutes and we'll wrap up and let's talk about your, your books. Okay, great. How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. With your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend It principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer. And my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out GirlfriendIt.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm back with Renee, and um, during this these few small, short moments that we have together. Um, I want you to tell us now about your eBooks and where we can go to find you because I, you know, I love your website. It is so easy to navigate. You can go out, you, you have several different um, places that we can go that have a completely different look to them and um, tell us about it. Well, thank you. I, I thank you for saying you love it. <laughs> um, so, so, anyways, uh, the best place if people want to uh, find out more about my eBooks or read my blog is just uh, to go to my 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 blog, which is Fimby, and you can just Google Fimby, like F I M B Y. If you do that, which stands by the way for Fun in My Backyard, yeah. um, if you do that. You'll get my blog right there at the top of a Google search. Um, so that's my blog. And then I also have a place where, and you can get to this place, uh, it's called the cafe, where I sell ebooks and different, you know, recordings I've done on homeschool coaching and teaching. I sell that on a different site and you can get there right from my blog. So you just go to Fimby, F-I-M-B-Y, and you can find the you know, access to what, what you've just talked about. Well, good. And I've got your links. I will have them up on my um, Toginet radio webpage too. So um, if anybody 
didn't get that, um, you can just go to my, my, my page at Toginet and um, just click on the link and you'll be right there and you'll have a treat in store for you. Well, Renee, thank you so much for talking to me this afternoon. I've been talking to Renee Tugar, a homeschooler of three living on a mountainside in Quebec. She and her husband are location independent, which means that they both work from home wherever they are and are outdoor enthusiasts, artists, designers, and much, much more, as you heard. You can find Renee at www.fimby, that's F-I-M-B-Y, dot tugar.net, or you could just put Fimby in. I'm sure you can find it. Just Google Fimby. Fimby stands for Fun in My Backyard, and Renee has been writing there about her family for about eight years. So go have a good read and buy some of her books while you're at it. We talked today about marriage and food, and I hope you enjoyed getting to know Renee as much as I did. And I'm going to ask Renee back because we've got lots more to talk about. So thanks so much, Renee, for taking time out from your busy day to talk to me. You have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, after that inspiring conversation, I'm all ready to attempt to change the way I eat a bit at a time. I've already cut out the processed meat and I think I'll try and find some unprocessed bacon as I love that so much. But forget the pepperoni on a pizza. Give me anchovies any time. Well, in reality, why not forget the whole pizza lark altogether? Time to get back to the earth, which is what my blue-eyed cowboy and I are hoping to do once we return to America and buy a property out in the country. My bird-raising son has some homesteading ideas he'd love to try out, whatever that means. Even last night, my daughter was saying that she could see herself living with us until she gets married. I said, you're only saying that because it's in the Bible. And she said, yes, but you said it too. Her blue-eyed dad said, she even said after marriage they may still live with us, especially if we have one of those turret houses and they can have the top floor. Oh no, is there any such thing as empty nest around here? I have to tell you this story though about our fridge freezer. When we arrived at our flat, I had to throw everything away that was in the freezer because it had been sitting there for nine months gathering ice and getting freezer burnt. I also had to get rid of most of the stuff in the fridge, too, because it had gone way mouldy. The fridge itself was wheezing, rather like I am. Well, it wasn't wheezing exactly. Well, it was wheezing, but it was more breathing as if it was on a respirator. It was going, <sighs> you know, and it went on and on and on. And in the end, we called the technician out to diagnose the problem. I believed we needed a new compressor but I wanted to make sure it wasn't something simple that we could fix before springing for a new appliance. By now we were getting a continuous light that flashed too warm every time we opened the fridge, and we were helping the milk and cheese along with bags of ice. The man came and popped a thermostat in the fridge and the freezer and announced them both cold enough. We had no argument with the freezer, it was doing fine. It was the fridge that was too warm. With the bags of ice it resembled an old-fashioned ice box. No, it's okay, he said, even when we pointed out that we were augmenting its wheezy efforts with ice. I think it's your thermostat. Let me order you one. It'll be here Thursday. I'll come and fit it when we'll, then we'll monitor it for a couple of weeks. Then if it's no better, I'll have to send down a fridge freezer specialist. Well, who are you? I asked, quite politely, I think. Well, I take a look at all the white goods. I'm not a specialist in any particular one. Well, he didn't even pull the fridge out to take a look in the bag. And I think that would have been the first thing I'd have done. 
but then I'm a mum, not a white goods anything, whatever. And to add insult to injury, he was on the phone to someone about a tumble dryer the whole time he was in our flat. Disgraceful, I say. When he left, silence reigned. Not because he'd gone, or that he'd fixed the fridge, but because the whole contraption had now packed up completely as he pulled the front door to behind him. We could do nothing over the weekend, so we literally had to pack ice in the freezer and the fridge to save our food. We didn't have a cooler anymore in our garage. My blue-eyed cowboy went off to the small city next door, first thing on Monday morning, to buy a replacement, and I got on the phone to British Gas to complain about their repairman. All I had to say was, he was on the phone during the whole visit. That was it. His head was on the block. I received a refund for the call and an apology. Our new fridge arrived the following day and is so light I can move it around myself. I mean, my husband even laid it down on the kitchen floor by himself so that he could change the way the doors opened, you know, the side the doors opened. And anyway, they luckily, the deliverers, took the old heavy fridge away so we didn't have to deal with getting rid of that. And now we're happy with our silent icebox made proudly by Hoover. <laughs> my mother-in-law was surprised by that. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about getting to know the real, who the real you is. What would you love to do most of the day? And sleep is not an answer. I've talked about myths we grew up, grew up with and being told you'll never be an actor, a musician, a dancer, a doctor, whatever it was you were aspiring to at the time. As Terence Stamp's father said, people like us don't do things like that, referring to acting. Thank goodness he didn't buy into that myth. Creativity in our lives makes us feel more fulfilled we don't necessarily have to make everything we do for joy our career. So let's move on in our exploration for finding out who the real me is. Are you quiet or rowdy? Are you studious or adventurous? Are you thoughtful or impulsive? Organized or flexible? How do you enjoy telling the world who you are? I enjoy managing, organizing and planning. I move a room around without a second thought. I love stage managing a show. I enjoy organizing cupboards or cleaning rooms. In fact, my Perry Poppins daughter asked me what I was doing one day. And when I said, I'm taking a break from writing and cleaning the fridge, she responded with, funny how yours and my idea of taking a break is cleaning and tidying something. There are times when I like to be quiet and think and wonder. And I can do this when rearranging furniture or cleaning a fridge. Or I can just sit and dally. This may look like daydreaming, but it helps me to process information, come up with new creative writing ideas, sort through problems, or just wind down after a long conversation with a friend. And so how do you go about learning something new? Do you have to see it, draw it, discuss it, hear it, interact with it, read it, or write it? When we match the way we present ourselves to the world and the way we like to learn with our talents and interests, we'll be able to tap into our unique identity. You're born with talents, what comes naturally to you. In fact, you may not even think of your talents as anything special because they don't challenge you and you may not want to pursue them as your lifetime activity, but they're your talents all the same. And our talents could range from cooking to swimming, growing vegetables to playing word games, sewing to memorizing, dancing to delivering lines, putting together jigsaws or sight reading. And then there are interests, those things that we love to do, those things that we're passionate about, but they may not come easily. 
I asked Ma Maria Emma Willis the last time she visited me if an interest was also a talent, and she said it could be, but it wasn't necessarily, because you had to work hard at an interest, whereas a talent comes naturally. And it's good to note here that interest can be the most motivating factor in your life, so it's probably, probably sorry, a good idea to take note of them. Okay, and it looks as though I have come absolutely to the end of my show, and um, I'll be back next week. But this weekend it's Father's Day on Sunday, so happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I'll be in with a kiss in a minute, hubby. Hopefully in the next seven days I will be feeling like taking London by the horns and doing some really exciting things. But for now, I'm just looking forward to a quiet weekend with plenty of rest. I promised Dorts I'll go into Covent Garden with her to try a clover coffee, a different way of infusing coffee, like an upside-down cafetiere. And I'll be talking to my children stateside, who are without us. But join me next week when I'll be back same time, same place, with more adventures from Merry Old. Fridays at noon in Texas, or 6 p.m. in London. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Renee Tugar, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah Joel, Rosemary Kathleen, Jane, Olivia, Jacob, Tina, and oodles of others, who are part of my growing audience. Just stay tuned all the time. Catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Do, do, do. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.